Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen. We're going to have a mundane conversation, something that you can just sort of chill to relax and just enjoy this podcast. And if you happen to drift off, so be it. I'm your host, Marco Timpano. We hope you will listen and sleep. Joining me on this episode is a dear friend, Shannon McDonough. Did I say that right? You did. Ah, Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Now, you have a love that I aspire to, and that's scuba diving. Mm -hmm. I can snorkel. I'm not great. But scuba diving is something I want to do so badly, but I'm not a good swimmer. I can't swim. Really? I can dog paddle. Okay. But I know that if, you know, if the boat went down, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm screwed. Okay. Totally. But uh, I'm not a great swimmer. And the thing that's great with scuba diving is you you, you're not going to drown. <laughs> okay, because you have the tank. And you've got oxygen. And it's um, you just have to be able to control your buoyancy okay. so that you're not floating up and you're not sinking. But once you do that, you're just kicking. Yeah, it's wow. great. So I, I have to, full disclosure, mm-hmm. I, have to, I have to confess, this will be the second episode we do on scuba diving because my co-host, Nitty, just got her scuba dive certification. Certification, thank you. And so we had a whole episode about her getting it, and then once she got it. So I'm going to ask you some specifics about scuba diving, just to take this in a different direction, or a, a new direction, let's say. What do you love about scuba diving? You know what? I grew up watching, um, well, reading Jules Verne. Okay. And watching uh, Jacques Cousteau. Yes. And it's just this magical world. Yeah. That, and there's no way to experience it unless you're there. Okay. And there's been several times where I've been, you know, on a reef somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, 90 feet down below, seeing this incredible life, you know, and just teeming with life. And I stop and I think to myself, nobody else gets to see this. Wow. Unless you strap a tank on your back. Right. You 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 can never experience it and it feels special. Mm-hmm. It feels a bit magical yes. and it feels kind of like you're you know an explorer sure. in a way. Sure. And that is what I love about it. Yeah. Yeah. What's the most majestic thing you've seen under the sea? I was in Thailand. Um, 
uh, at a place, uh, it was near the Similian Islands, and it, there was a very strong current, okay. which is tough to, to kick against. Sure. And so I was starting to get tired. And so I just sort of rolled over onto my back and was kicking, and I looked up above me, and up above me there were a whole bunch of schools of fish, like huge fish, hundreds, thousands maybe, and they were all doing the same thing. They were all just swimming in the current but not going anywhere. Okay. And so I was laying, well, laying like on my back beneath them, watching them, and I just thought, this is incredible. Incredible. Wow. It was that was probably one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. Did they shimmer? Like did they have a, an almost hypnotic zen kind of feel to them? Oh, totally. Yeah. Um did you ever see um Finding Nemo? Yes, of course. You know that scene where they're talking to the fish and it's the whole school of yes. fish and they all join. I've saw I don't know what what breed of fish that is. Uh, I've like seen like an that. anchovy or sardine type fish. I, they were bigger. Oh, but, they were bigger. Yeah, okay, but okay. definitely. But and, a school, nonetheless. yeah, a huge okay. school, and they all moved together mm-hmm. and uh, in different patterns, and that to me was just fascinating. When I was a child, I wanted to be a fisherman. And then I realized a fisherman catches fish, and then I decided I wanted to be a marine biologist at the time because I used to watch Jacques Cousteau, and there was a show called Oceans Live that I used to watch. And so then I, I was like, I'm going to be an oceanographer, mm-hmm. and that was my my career choice as a child. That's what I wanted to be, right? So consequently, I have great knowledge about undersea animals and mm. fish and whatnot, and I'm really good at drawing those type of things. When you were a child, what was the profession that you would say you'd want to be? I always wanted to be an actor. Really? I wanted to be an actor. All the women in my family are or were teachers. Okay. Everybody was a teacher. So I assumed you need something to fall back on. Sure. So I assumed I was going to be a teacher. Okay. Uh, But always wanted, like I've been acting since I could speak. What was the first play you were ever in? Uh, it would have been a Christmas play. Okay, so play. I was a shepherd once. I was Santa. You were Santa? I was Santa. That's so great. Yes, yes, How I, progressive, I, too. I, That's so wonderful. <laughs> well, I found out I thought I was really special and very talented, you know. Sure. I remember in grade four, we did Sleeping Beauty, and I was one of the fairies. And I thought that I always got these parts because I was such a great actor. Right. And when I got older, I found out I was just the loudest. Oh, I see. <laughs> so. Well, listen, if you can't be heard, there's... <laughs> On that note, so I was the shepherd number three mm-hmm. in my first play, and I had two lines, one of which was perhaps, and the other was, we'll follow the star, okay? So after the play... We, you know, we were in the car and I asked my dad, I said, what was your favorite part? And he said, my favorite part was when you said craps. And I'm like, I never said craps. I said, perhaps. And I'm like, why would a shepherd going to the nativity say or going to see baby Jesus say craps? Like it made no sense. Anyways, that was my father's favorite part of my acting journey when I was a child. So That is hilarious. Yeah. Hilarious. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you were... Santa, mm-hmm. you were a um, fairy. I was Meriwether. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. So the blue fairy. The blue fairy. I think the most important, the yeah. one everyone remembers, oh, of really. Because yeah. what are the other ones' names? Flora and Fauna. Oh, you. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> Has there been another role that maybe you got in your adult acting career that you've just savored and just really enjoyed, and perhaps a role that you didn't expect to to enjoy that much? 
On stage or just in general? In general. I was really thrilled. It it was probably three years ago, but the movie is just about to be released, oh, and this, this is, is... I did not mean to do this are as a you plug. A, but are you able to mention it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Done, okay. It was um, a horror movie. Oh, this is even better. Yeah. This will help people fall asleep. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> it was a horror movie, right. and um, I remember, you know, reading the script, and it was uh, it was creepy, and it was sure. eerie, and everything, and I was um, playing the motel manager. Okay. I had like three scenes. So Great. I was thrilled about that. Sure. And when I got there, it you know, and there were some funny bits, but when I got there, there were um, two directors and who were just wonderful. And they I, I, I did the scene and then they would come to me and say, Could you do it weirder? Okay. <laughs> okay. So I did it again and they're like, Great go even further like be really really weird and so i got to be the kookiest and really funny weird weird character in the middle of this horror movie and okay. it was thrilling oh, i was so, so excited and it was a lot of fun and it's coming out now it's a canadian movie called helmington Hel- helmington helmington great yes and this won't this will air in the future, so it might coincide. Oh, so you've perfectly. probably already seen it, and you know my Oscar nomination sure. and my star is going to be um, released on the Walk of Fame. Great, any minute now. Great. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. I want to be there. You know how they have those teams of people who will buff the star and right. really shine the brass. I want to be one of those people for for your star. Thank you. Um, is there a part that you would love to play? So, for example, I always ask my friends who are performers and actors. If you could be cast in a television series, what role would you like to play? And then what's the role you would not want to play that you would most probably get cast in? So, for example, <laughs> I would love to play a doctor on television, like on on ER, Grey's Anatomy. Um, I love medical shows. What I wouldn't want to do is be a cowboy that has to ride a horse because horses kind of freak me out. Gotcha. So I'd probably end up in some Western before I was a doctor. So right. I pose that question to you. Uh, you know what? I, too, love medical shows. I am obsessed with Grey's Anatomy. Um, Have you seen New Amsterdam? No. Oh, oh. Then Good. you have to. I, so I loved, um, what's that one? Uh, Code Black. Mm-hmm. I loved Code Black. Loved it. And then they canceled it. And Marsha Gay Harden mm. was sublime in it. Marsha Gay, if you're listening to this podcast, please come on our show so I can just lament about them canceling yours. But now New Amsterdam, which is based on a book by a doctor, mm-hmm. is just tremendous. I really recommend it. I'm just taking this little side note okay. here for our listeners. It's on my list. Okay, great. But awesome. anyway, sorry. I, um, what would I love to play? See, now, my father was a police officer. Oh. And uh, now, in, you know, my um, in my career, I work as a television producer, and I work um, on a lot of the true crime shows. Oh, I see. So I really, you know, I, I do the interviews. I get sure. to interview, you know, um, f- uh, families of the victim and the police officers and the district attorneys and investigators and stuff, and I find it fascinating. I oh, wow. love it. And so I would love to play a cop. I would love to play a cop in uh, 
well, of course, I would love my, you know, a, an entire series that's going to run for, let's sure. say, 12, 13 seasons. That would be ideal. But I would love, you know, one of those kind of law and order shows. Yeah, you'd make a great I cop. I would love to do that. Has your dad's career as a cop helped you when you're in these situations, when you're interviewing police officers? Do you have a, a sort of an insight? that perhaps another producer wouldn't? I think so. Like, um, I know that, you know, my superiors have right. have often um, reacted, you know, when I let them know my father was a police officer. They're always like, oh, wow, that's great. I think that maybe um, at, at times people... Um, I don't know if they'd get nerves, you know, speaking sure. to police officers and stuff. And for me... I guess because I, I grew up with a cop and I, I, my father's friends that were also on the right. force. So I have a comfortability with them. Right. And I also know, you know, growing up, I know that cops don't like to talk about what happened today at sure. work, you yeah. know. And so I, when I speak with them, I acknowledge that. And I know that... The, what they're what they've been through and what they've seen right. and stuff and so I think that that I mean I don't know some of them might think I'm a total jerk but I think they seem to appreciate that and I I tend to do well talking to police officers That's awesome. Yeah. What are some other tips that you have learned as a television producer that have been applicable to your life that you might want to share? Is there anything that has happened in your producing life that you're like this is something I learned that's pretty cool? I know, Do, I ask like these, life I, lessons? Or whatever lessons. Whatever, where, anything that struck you as mm. a producer where you're like, ah, oh, this is cool. Or I spoke to this person and it was a cool experience. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, um, what I, like, I've, you know, I've been an actor. I've been a host. And um, now I, well, I still perform in front of the camera, but, you know, this is Canada, so I'm usually on my, my side job most of the time. You are on a commercial, and I love seeing it. I think you're playing a firefighter. <laughs> firefighter, and, and it's yeah. like the, Every time I see it. And you were in N with an E, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's that interesting. Really cool. Being a Canadian performer, seeing your friends on shows, and you're like, there's Shannon. And then you, you Facebook them, and I saw you yeah. on this, or I saw you on that. Well, I just saw your wife Amanda in something. Uh she what? was in Handmaid's Tale. I don't know if you saw That's that. what it okay. was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I auditioned for that three times and I did not get Four it. Four's a charm. Yes, the fourth one. Yeah. Oh, season three. You'd be great on, it. great on it. Oh, yeah. Um, but um, what you know what I learned mm -hmm. w working as a producer? Like I, I worked all my way through TV. Like I started as a production assistant sure. and then started taking um, kind of like log notes so the editor knew, you know, what tape to find, what right. footage on. So penmanship sort of would yeah. be important there. Well, exactly. Okay. But also it taught me how to follow a story. Oh. And so I would take notes like, you know, uh, here's a close-up close of Marco okay. interviewing Shannon. Right. And uh, I know that this is important uh, for the Marco storyline later okay. down the road. But TV can be really busy and crazy, and there's a lot of stress, and there's a lot of different personalities. And when I first started, especially when I first started in producing, I found um, I, uh, the stress would stress me out. Sure. And it took me a while to learn that um, it's okay to have a bunch of moving parts. It's okay to not... Like, you can't control everything. Sure. And you can't take it all on yourself. Right. So... I went from being a very 
I guess, frenetic, uh, a slightly spazzy person to now I'm much more calm and, and chilled and, and I kind of let things slide. Sure. And I know that if everyone kind of does their job, it's all going to come out in the end. Right. And let's not freak out. Let's not, you know, let, let's not uh, have a bird right now. Right. And there's an expression you hear all the time. It's just TV. Oh. We're just making TV. Okay. You know, we're not curing cancer. Right. It's not the end of the world. Sure. We're just making TV. That's awesome. Right? So, yeah. That's what I've learned. The, That's my biggest cool. life lesson. Just calm down. You could apply that to many different things mm-hmm. in your life. Like, you know, when you're like, I'm going to be late for this appointment. I'm going to be late. It's like, it's just an appointment. Mm. It's just an appointment. Yeah. Well, I learned that um, Eckhart Tolle uh, had a book. Um, I think it's called The New Earth or A Brand New Earth. Okay. Somewhere. I read his popular book, the one that everybody was going That's crazy That's probably with. the one that I read. I didn't like it. No? no. I did. Oh, I, uh... Well, this was the lesson that I learned in okay. that where he talked about... Um, you know, let's say you're, you're stuck on the side of the road, it's raining, sure. and you have a flat tire. Mm-hmm. You can freak out about the rain, and you can freak out about the flat tire, yeah. but it's not going to change it. Right. So just accept, you know, and it's the, the, the stress you add to the situation isn't mm. going to make it any better. Wow. And so I find myself paying attention to that now, like how you said, where I'm, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late. And I just, you, well, you're going to be late. Yeah. You can spend the next eight minutes freaking out. Or you can just, okay, I'm going to be late. Like I was three minutes late here for you today. Oh, were you? Oh, yes. Well, I didn't notice. <laughs> that reminds me of a story, and I hope you'll indulge me here. So I was a waiter in a fancy schmancy place in New York City in Soho called Ooh. Barolo. That's no longer there. And as with many things in New York, things can get intense and crazy. And in this restaurant, they would have a bronzino that was baked in salt that the waiters would have to fillet at the table. Oh, boy. And so when you would get that, when when one of your customers would order the bronzino, the baked bronzino, you'd be like, oh, my goodness, I don't have time to fillet that because I have so many other tables. But that was our job. Mm. And the owners didn't care. You just had to figure it out. And I used to hate to do the bronzino. I would get I would. I would do everything in my power to steer customers away from ordering the Brenzino until I put it in a different perspective where it's like, well, if I have to fillet the Brenzino at the table and it's going to take me at least seven minutes to do so, then that's my Zen moment of no one can bother me because I'm doing what I have to do and everyone has to wait for me until I'm done this task. And so I took it as an opportunity to really enjoy the moment of filleting the Benzino. And as a consequence, I could fillet that fish better than anyone else because I wasn't thinking about other tables that I had to go run to. And when I was like, right now, it's me and this fish and nothing else. Everything else is just stopped in this busy, busy restaurant. And that was the lesson I learned from being a waiter in New York City. <laughs> being mindful. Being Just mindful. Just staying exactly. in the moment. We also share. So we have we share a love for undersea and scuba diving, which I'm not. I'm hoping to one day become a certified scuba diver. But we have a, a love for Dolly Parton. Oh, Yes. And I hope you don't mind. I think for the next bit of the show, we're just going to talk about Dolly Parton. Oh, I could talk about her all day. How did you discover her? I was, I think, about five or six. And my uh, grandparents had, you know, a whole bunch of country albums. Sure. And I remember it was a country album that, like, from KTEL, you know, and so it had, like, the biggest hits of that year. And, um, 
I can't remember what song it was. Uh, it might have been Jolene. Yeah, Jolene mm-hmm. first came out in the 70s. So uh, I, I, I loved the song and I kept playing it. Oh, and then it was Divorce, D-I-V-O-R-C-E. But wasn't that um, Tammy Wynette? And then Dolly did a cover. Oh, Dolly did a mm-hmm. cover. And look my, at us playing. Look at us, eh? My, my grandparents. Country divas and with I, Shannon and Marco. There's exactly. a podcast for you. <laughs> Then uh, I just I became obsessed with 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 her. Yes. And my grandparents had and I wanted to hear more of her. Sure. And my grandparents had an eight track player mm-hmm. and they had an eight track of Dolly. And so I would listen to it over and over again. And then uh, I think it was 1980. So I was eight when uh, nine to five came out. OK. And my parents said, you know, we're going to go to the movies. Then they were going to take us to go see Popeye. <laughs> Okay, with Robin Williams, with Robin Williams. and Shelley Duvall. Yes, and uh, a very big flop at the time. Yes. Um, but I really want to go scuba diving there in Malta where they shot it. Uh, side note. But, um, and I had seen a commercial, and I loved Lily Tomlin. I was already obsessed with okay. Lily Tomlin. And so I saw the commercial for 9 to 5, and I said, can we go see that instead? Oh. And so my dad took my brother to see Popeye, and my mom took me to see uh, 9 to 5, which was so inappropriate for an 8-year-old. Um, but I And I became obsessed. So I was great. obsessed. I had, oh, my God, all of her albums, I think, I have about 43 now. Wow. I've seen her 11 times in concert. She, if, if, even if you're not a fan mm-hmm. and you don't know her music, if she's playing in your town and you appreciate music or musicianship or songwriters, mm-hmm. go see her concert. Even if you're in the worst seat in the house, oh, yeah. go see her. She puts on a fantastic concert. She plays so many instruments. It's just tremendous. You don't want to miss seeing Dolly live. Anyways. Oh, especially. And you know what's so great? Mm-hmm. Like when I was a little kid, of course, everyone made fun of me because I liked Dolly Parton. You right. Know? Of course. And you could bring in an album, you know, to art class and play sure. it. And I would bring like nine to five or something Amazing. and all the kids would groan. Um, and, you know, I was teased. You know, mm-hmm. everyone else liked ACDC and sure. I was obsessed with Dolly. And um, it's so awesome now to see Oh, like she's having this yeah. whole resurgence and you know I was it was a few years ago uh, at um, the Molson Amphitheater no it's Budweiser right yes uh, here in Toronto I went to go see her and I remember she was singing Here You Come Again yes and everyone was singing mm-hmm. along and I turned to look at the crowd and I just like thousands and yeah. thousands of people and right. I just it felt so wonderful and I was uh, one of those people I was at yeah, concert, yeah. it was it was so great and yeah. I, I I still wear my Dolly Parton belt buckle and my t-shirts so and people stop me all the time when I wear so now when I travel for work I wear my Dolly Parton t-shirt because they're so friendly to me at customs oh. seriously everyone goes oh that's Dolly. That's a great tip. It's true. Oh, I'm going to People so... smile, oh. wave you right through. It's That's amazing. So... Well, there you go. Um, there's so many great Dolly stories. Mm-hmm. My favorite story is she was on the set of Steel Magnolias, mm-hmm. and they were filming in the summer, in August. and But the scene was a fall or winter scene, so they were all in sweaters. Do you know this story? Julia Roberts? Okay. Yeah. yeah. And correct, if I steer wrong, please correct me. And all the actors who were on the porch were complaining about how hot it was and how they had to wear 
these sweaters and these cardigans and whatnot. And then at a certain point, Julia Roberts turns and sees Dolly and says, Dolly, aren't you hot? And she said, yes. And she goes, well, how come you're not complaining about it? And Dolly said, I dreamed all my life to be where I am right now. Now that I'm here, I'm not going to complain about it. And Julia Roberts said, that shut us all up cold. <laughs> That's one of my favorite stories of oh, hers. Oh, yeah. Do you She's... have a favorite story? Um, oh, my gosh. There's, there's, there's also, so many. There's like, so many. It, it is, it's like I love, like, the stories that she tells. Sure. Like, it's funny. I've been talking to – everyone is obsessed with Jolene. Yeah. Which it's a fantastic it's great. song. It's great. But Dolly Parton has about 3,000 songs. Yeah. <laughs> it's always funny to me that everyone talks about only Jolene. Jolene, right. It's a great song, but I can give you 50 that'll just knock your socks yeah. off even yeah. more than Jolene. Little Sparrow, oh, one of my favorites. So great. Oh, my favorite, These All Bones. Yes. I love. My Tennessee Mountain In my ten- Oh, My Tennessee yeah. Mountain Home. She does a cover of Shine. Shine by um, Counting Crows. Oh, yes. I yeah. think it's them. Mm-hmm. Forgive me if it's not. When I'm not, when I'm depressed, when I'm sad, I just put that song on, yeah. and she does a better cover than the original recording, in my opinion. I had a really bad breakup. Like, um, it was what, twelve years ago or so. My sister passed away. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you. And then a, about a year later, my partner left. Oh wow. Left me, and I was so depressed. And I think too, I hadn't quite dealt with. My sister dying, sure. and I'm sure it was probably part of the reason why my partner left me. I was too miserable to be around. Um, and I was so bummed out, and I, I cried myself to sleep for six months. And then her new album came out, Backwoods Barbie. Oh, yes. And the song, You Better Get to Living, and the video for You Better Get to Living. And it, like, literally lifted me up oh, out so of my good. depression. And there's a line in the song um, where she says... Um, girlfriend came to my house started crying on my shoulder Sunday evening she was spinning such a sad tale I could not believe the yarn that she was weaving uh, so negative the things so negative the words she had to say I said if I had a violin I'd play right. and I it struck me and I thought oh god if I ever met Dolly Parton and she thought I was complaining so much I'd be so embarrassed right <laughs> And that was, you know, she, my whole life has always, like, lifted me up. Right. You know, completely lifted me up. And, um, like, I wrote a, I came out to, it's so funny looking back at it now, but I wrote a fan letter to her, like, in 1983, Mm -hmm. saying, you know, I like you so much. And I know it's weird, a girl liking another girl. Right. But I really do. And I never did hear back. But, (laughs) But I realize now that I was... Like, I always, I was obsessed with her. Oh, wow. And, you know. So you came out to Dolly. I came out to Dolly. What a great story. I mean, it it took me like 10 more years or so to finally come out to somebody else. But she's always just been that, like, beautiful, magical person in my mind. And so she has a sweetness. Mm -hmm. And I love like her especially her older music where it's it's quite simple but it's very funny yeah and lots of times you're not sure if she know, knew how funny it right. was at the time like when you listen to i don't know if you know the old song i don't want to throw rice no she's she's at her friend's wedding and it's right. basically i don't want to throw rice i want to throw rocks at her because oh. she took the only man i've ever loved i love this it is hilarious and um you know like i think there's something fishy going on is sure. another song just 
she's so sweet yeah. and earnest and lovely. I don't know how anyone can't just fall in love with her as soon I, as they I mean, see her. If you if you don't love Dolly, I don't want to know you. Well, fair, <laughs> but if you if you don't appreciate Dolly, and you've heard us ra- rave now for quite a bit on Dolly. Do yourself a favor and pick up any one of her albums. Oh, yeah. She yodels in a song. I have I have a particular love for yodeling. I don't know why. I just do. Mm. If I'm in, when I was a little kid and we used to go mushroom picking, I would yodel, <laughs> and my father would be like, "How is this happening?" But that's just what I did. She yodels in one like a country yodel in yeah. one of her songs. I can't remember the song right now. In Joshua, she yodels a little bit at the end, and she's on point mm. and fantastic. There's another song where she yodels more, like she yodels in the, in the middle of the song, and, it, oh, and okay. it's yeah, it's it may not be on an album. It may just be a black and white image from from a show she's done with uh, Porter uh, Porter Wagner. Porter Wagner. Mm-hmm. It might have been on the show, and they showed a clip of it. I was like, she can yodel. Oh yeah, yeah, she's great. She's spectacular yeah. in every way. And you know who else is spectacular in every way? You are, oh, Shannon. Thank you so much for, for being me. a part of the Insomnia Project. Thank you. As always, The Insomnia Project is produced by Drumcast Productions, and this particular episode was recorded in Toronto, Canada.